welcome back to Podden Ain't Easy. I know it's been a while, but we've been making our way through after taking a shared bath in the living waters with the nicknames of Mandalore. You know, no eye contact because that would make it weird. But we're back with season three so far, episode three, four, five, and six. The main points across the episodes, not just every little bit, otherwise we'll be here for about three hours. But yes, yeah, so I'm one of your hosts, Scott McLeod, and I'm joined by the Lizzo to my Jack Black. And I'll make one who's Carl Pierce. Hello, and I'm so old, I don't even know who Lizzo is. But <laughs> I, I, I vaguely remember who, know who she is. I know, I'm not caught up in the music world, but then Harding came up at the end of the episode. So I went, oh, she must have been the woman that was married to Jack Black's character. Good for her. <laughs> so I don't know enough about uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. I didn't even realise that one of the guys from that was in bloody Kenobi until afterwards. Like I, I rely on other people to tell me who people are sometimes. Oh, I knew. I recognised Flea straight away because that's my era. But Lizzo, I kept thinking mm, she looks kind of familiar, but I can't can't quite mm-hmm. think who it is. And so I watched the credits and I thought, oh, Lizzo, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good to show how cool we are in our pop culture, especially in the music world. It's not well, on Disney. It's not on Disney Plus. We don't want to know about it. See, well, I'm that age now where all all new stuff is just noise to me. So that's <laughs> that's, that's my excuse. <laughs> it's all just noise. Yeah. You will, you'll get you'll you'll know what I mean. You'll get to late thirties, early forties, and all all new music will just be like, "This is crap." I feel that way now. <laughs> I feel it. like you're you're warning just there. You like buddy Grandpa Simpson? I was with it. Then they changed what it was. And it well <laughs> pretty much, to yeah, you. yeah. That's pretty much what it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we're, we're back and uh, talk about Mando Star Wars celebration. Got snuck up on us, so there's a shitload of announcements there and some other trailers related stuff we want to talk about. We're gonna cover that in a whole separate episode to come out uh, a little bit later on, maybe later this week or start. At some point, it'll come out next week. Well, Depends on when I can get it edited. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, or late, or later next month, depending on <laughs> scheduling and yeah. and whatnot. Where Real life ain't easy, everybody. Real life is not easy, no. Uh, so, you know, stuff feels relevant at the time when we're talking about it, but it feels already out of date by the time we get it uploaded sometimes. So we've we'll, we'll, we'll got that all that covered in a separate episode. But we're here just to focus on on Mando. You know, we were, we were, to, we were originally the Mando boss, so we're about to talk about Mandalorian, and we let it kind of get away from us with the last couple of episodes without getting spoiling too much Carl before we get into like I managed to break up until we all away which will hopefully allow us to go through these four episodes and everything that happened a bit more structure overall you know we seem to have positive thoughts to start off the season uh, to start off season three but how are you feeling about season three overall now that you've had a few more episodes of the season it's got just like two more episodes at the time recording yeah, I've I've quite enjoyed it. Um, because I think to really have a proper assessment of um, of things, just got to see the last two episodes really and see see how everything sort of 
links together. Because at the moment, you know, there's a lot of people saying the season's lacking a bit of direction. And it it might look like that on the outside, but when you've got the last two pieces of the puzzle, so to speak, mm. everything might just slide into place and make sense. Yeah. I, mean, I think they have been promising that last episode they're going to be big and I'd, uh, I'd hope that they would be. And I was, I was saying this to you beforehand, like, it does feel like, you know, the fact that John Favreau knows he's got a fourth season is maybe impacting how he paces out this particular season. Maybe, maybe. So there is definitely going to be a fourth season, is there? Yeah, I think they confirmed it. Like, I think they're still writing it. <laughs> Because uh, I, I, I know we said we're going to mention this on another part, but just because it's relevant to this, apparently one of these new movies they've announced is meant to tie up a lot of um, these loose ends and everything from this sort of Favreau universe, so to yeah. speak. So they yeah, can't yeah. have so they can't have infinite seasons. So I imagine four must be the must be the last one if this film's on the horizon. Yeah, because I have some theories about how this might tie in, this season might tie in in some ways to Ahsoka, which we'll talk about in another pod. Uh, I think Ahsoka is starting around the same time as it's set in the same time period because Bando's just met Ahsoka mm-hmm. in the last series. I'm wondering if there's going to be some events that will impact Mando and like season four and Ahsoka. So maybe there's only so far they can go with certain things before Ahsoka comes out. And then when Ahsoka comes out, and we go into season four, things from season three will look a lot more clearer in hindsight. Yeah, you never know. You might even get a Mando cameo on the last episode of Ahsoka, for all we know. You'd, they do like to bring up these surprises, so so you never yeah. know, do you? I'm wondering, because I was excited when I heard it was Dave Filoni as well directing this movie. It's going to wrap up this whole, like, you'll direct it, and I'm assuming Favreau will be involved in the writing or even producing mm. this movie. And then I, I saw an interview with Catherine Kerr goes, oh, when can we expect this Dave Floney movie? In about six or seven years. Like, what? What? Like... Uh, oh, wow. So, I didn't realize it was that far off. So if it's that far off, they probably could bang in a couple more seasons if they wanted to, but... Yeah, like... <laughs> yeah, it'll be... It'll probably just be, it'll probably just be just to accommodate bloody Pedro Pascal's schedule at the minute. Yeah, he's, a, he's he's in high demand, isn't he? That's the trouble. Yeah, probably. So, and like Rosario Dawson doesn't seem to be too... Like she basically said, I will see how people like this first season if there'll be a second one of Ahsoka. So I don't think she knows just how many seasons of Ahsoka that they're planning to do. Uh, but, you know, you figured they'll make it a second one out to then lead into this movie. Um uh, mm. Maybe we'll get some more Boba Fett. Okay, I assume he'd be involved in this because his show was part of this whole Favreau versus, we, as you called it. Maybe, maybe, but that didn't quite hit as well, did they? And yeah. the the guy who played him said he wants to be a bit more, um, act, you know, wants Boba Fett to be a bit more of a, a killer next. Yeah. Next time, so we'll have to have to see and stop listening now if you don't want Last of Us spoilers. But it probably won't be needed for season two of Last of Us because in the second game, he's uh, his character's Brian Brad. Mm. Yeah, I, I did hear. Like, I haven't seen all of the season, but I think I know enough about the games to know that that happens at some point. And uh, I think there was a big thing, a big discussion on Twitter, like 
where people who hadn't played the game were like, well, I can't believe this happened and people who played the game like, well, I can tell you never played the game, did you? Yeah, I know people, like, I listened to the um, Inside the Routes pod and Finley Martin was having a whine about the final episode of The Last of Us and I didn't think it was that. I thought it was really good. I thought it was well done. There's action in it. And I say if you played the game, that's, I mean, I've never played the, the game all the way through, but I know how the game ends because I am into games, and that that's that that is how the game ends, and it does and it does kind of make sense in a way as well, you know, when, especially when you remember he he lost his daughter and he didn't want to mm-hmm. obviously lose his surrogate, you know, she became a bit of a surrogate daughter to him. So, but yeah, you know, I, I, I I digress. We're going we're going off on a tangent, and we we told ourselves we weren't going to do that. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I have heard talk about because he'd been so busy that when they eventually did shoot Mando, like they relied more heavily on stud performers to do the physical stuff mm. for Dinjar and than they had before. So, like more so than the last two seasons, like Pedro Pedro Pascal was like barely on set. I don't think for this season he just did like he, he's pretty much mandolin voice only at the minute which mm-hmm. which I think is also I wonder if that also explains some of the stuff that we've seen in the last couple of episodes because when I was making my notes I realised like it does feel like the last few episodes the Mandalorian seems to refer to Bo-Katan as opposed to Din Djarin when you think that she's suddenly become the main character of this mm. series she's certainly be, certainly yeah got like a shared billing Almost mm-hmm. in this series, and yeah, there's, there's sort of David Prowess, the uh, the Mandalorian this year. <laughs> Although I don't think when you watch clips of the guy in, under the suit, I don't think it sounds as funny as we hear David Prowess try to like deliver Darth Vader's lines, like saying you're part of a rebel and a traitor, and a very heavy Yorkshire accent. Oh, it's it, it, it's brilliant. It's like um, it's more sort of sort of Somerset accent I think it is actually but uh, yeah when you see the behind the scenes stuff um, and it is, it's hilarious it's no wonder they had to change it can you just and, and imagine like, so... can you just imagine Star Wars if it ever changed David Prowess's voice <laughs> and the, the shit house through the fact they didn't tell him as well they should, have, they should have told him. I mean, his voice just didn't work for that character, unfortunately, but they they, they should have let him know. You can imagine somebody who he's told everyone he's in this film, that he knows he's in this film, and they phone him up like, oh, I want to see that film you're in. Aye. Darth Vader, you played. Aye. Aye. When did you suddenly start talking like James Earl Jones? <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, and then so, when and then when they unmasked him in Return of the Jedi, they they brought in another actor for that. <laughs> there you go. And then, it, then you, if you include uh, Ian Christensen, there's been like four different actors across playing bloody Darth Vader and all yeah, like, and then countless I other think, stuntmen. Yeah, I think someone else played him in. Um, well, someone else was under the suit in Rogue One as well. I think some Welsh actor. Yeah. There you go. So many other actors getting more prominent roles in uh, Darth Vader than bloody David Proust did. Poor David <laughs> Proust. <laughs> Bless him. I'm pretty sure they even made a, a documentary about him. I don't I can't remember the title, but it was basically be like, oh, I'm, I'm, I was under the Darth Vader suit, but nobody remembers me. And, you know, 
but his um but it was it was vital you know it's just you know his his frame you know and, and his the presence of um you know the of the size of the man you know darth vader you know was part of what made darth vader work because what is he six foot five or something and was a bodybuilder You know, it's like kind of similar to what they did with Darth Maul. You had three parts in the physical, and then Peter Serafinowicz doing the voice for all three lines that he had, and then <laughs> and then we did his part in Solo. It was three parts in the physical, but Sam Witwer who did the voice in the the cartoons doing the voice. So we <laughs> part never got to do the voice of it, but like I hope they actually told him. Yeah, I, hopefully they learned from their mistakes on that one. <laughs> I know. Because Repart doesn't even have that bad a sounding voice, I don't even think, but clearly they wanted something more evil sounding or whatever they said. I think George Lucas is a bit of a perfectionist and he's obsessed with um, getting things just so. Apparently he went through apparently he went through dozens of, well, probably more than dozens of uh, voice actors for C-3PO mm-hmm. when eventually one of the people he brought in said, I don't know why you're doing all this. The, I think the bloke you've got in in the suits got the perfect voice for yeah. the character. <laughs> Very much. Uh, like I think I heard like there was someone a story about Hans Solo about like when Harrison Ford was there, like he'd he knew George or whatever, and then so they brought him in to read lines with other people and place a fan when they were auditioning people for Leia and Luke. But didn't have any interest in casting him for for Han Solo, and other people had to take George saying like like he 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 delivers lines perfectly. He he suits the character, like make him Han, and then George didn't learn from his mistakes because he didn't immediately think that he was good enough for the bloody part of Indiana Jones either. No, well they they wanted Tom Selleck, didn't they? But he was committed to Magnum PI and couldn't do it. Mm. Yeah, George Lucas. You know, creative genius in some aspects a bit useless in others because. Well, he like, wanted all the characters on the original Star Wars or the main three to be no, you know, to be nobodies. People haven't been in anything prominent before, and he'd already worked with Harrison Ford on American Graffiti, so he, he he was trying to find another unknown. But nobody, nobody, as you say, just said could could deliver the lines in the way he wanted. Yeah. I think I think I mentioned before, but Peter Serafin, which is uh, described recording all three of the Darth Maul lines as uh, one of the most miserable experiences <laughs> he's ever had in his career, because George gave him so little direction, other than just you know just make him more evil. <laughs> Not a lot to go on, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, this this was a weird tangent to go on, but yeah, back to back to Star Wars, back to Mandalorian. Uh, I think we can just kind of wrap this all up in just a few minutes, but it was something that came out of nowhere in this in the third episode and kind of carried over. Uh, I just put this on this on a section. The New Republic is useless. It really is, isn't it? And you can sort of see, um, but it's, it's sort of cleverly done in in the sense of cleverly written film because you can sort of see how the remnants of the Empire was able to sort of reform and regroup because the as you say the new republic is just pushing you know it's just a bunch of pen pushers that aren't seeing what's right in front of them 
Yeah, pretty much. It does feel like, you know, they had, they've been ruled by the Empire for so long that they've kind of overcorrected in a way now that the mm. Empire, well, for the most part, the thing is gone. There's, like you said, some remnants still there. But, yeah, we, we pick right up where we left off in episode three with, like, Bo and, and uh, Mando. They get chased all the other big action scene. And then right as they jump to hyperspeed, uh, they cut to Coruscant. And we have the stuff with Dr. Person, the guy who they had trying to experiment on on Grogu on behalf of Moff Gideon. And this, it got, it got to about 10 minutes into this, and I, I just had this thing in the back of my head, like, this is the episode now, isn't it? Like, yeah, I was pretty much thinking the same thing. I thought perhaps it was just going to be, you know, a bit of that, and I go back to Bo-Katan and Mandalorian. Um, but no, it was virtually... Uh, a whole episode of Dr. Pershing and that um, lieutenant woman, whoever she, yeah. I forget her name, sandwiched between a couple of minutes of um, Mandalorian and Bo-Katan. Yeah. Like, it's almost this like, weird artistic mini-movie someone's tried to make about Star Wars, but with no Jedis or anything in it. Because like, mm. uh, like, it starts off, everyone's in the opera house, kind of about the same opera house where they had that scene, that famous scene in episode three. And Dr. Pershing's doing basically a Star Wars version of a TED talk where he's just talking about his, uh, his research and how our oh, research was corrupted by someone who wanted to use it for their own gain. And he's reading how... Basically, his whole storyline is, uh, you know, my research wasn't creepy. I know it was cloned, but I'm not creepy, but I promise I had good intentions. And this, this lieutenant one kind of working for the New Republic secretly just trying to try to draw out any interest that he has and potentially continuing and basically she pretty much entraps them basically yeah I mean I, I, I felt it was all too easy I know these sort of I know these scientists in films and in real life probably get you know they get obsessed with their work and think it's the most important thing ever to continue their research, but you know, it was a bit shifty with when he first met. I wasn't expecting to see anyone from Moff Gideon's ship or crew here. And he's yeah, he's he's very quick to start trusting her all of a sudden and and to get duped. I mean Stevie Wonder could see where this was going. That's that's fucking be honest. <laughs> yeah, I I did see that some people were like this, some people didn't like it. Yes. He basically went from this big like if he likes a uh, like ship battle like Mando and Boca Dad fending off these TIE fighters to, you know, basically you can sum up as I like yellow biscuits. <laughs> like <laughs> the guys are talking about, oh, you know, the Empire wasn't all bad. You know, they gave us special biscuits. They also blew up planets, so <laughs> Is it this episode where we see that uh, a sort of fortress has been destroyed? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, yeah, Bogotan's like home or whatever gets like blown up. It's been a few weeks since I've watched it, so you know, I've got to try and remember this stuff. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll come back to that. Uh, but yeah, he, he they basically go to this like star destroyer, get back his research, everything, and yeah, he basically gets caught out. She was like, working with the Republic, but even though she kind of fucked him over, you kind of get the sense that she's not fully loyal to the Republic either. Like, there's something clearly going on, and I think it's more evident when she meets that uh, Captain uh, Carson Teva, the 
the X-Wing pilot from that we saw in the last season who tries to go and ask for help for uh, Navarro on behalf of Moff, uh, of Grief Karga because the pirates have come back. And she basically, her stance is, you know, well, Navarro refused to, you know, initially did for their new public self. So really, they should basically be left to suffer. That was her, in a roundabout way, she basically said, oh, they should learn by being basically left to suffer at the hands of the pirates. Oh yeah, she's definitely got an agenda. Um, whether she she knows Moff Gideon's still around and is in some sort of contact with him, um, or that, or you know, it is like the you know Imperial sympathisers and they and they're doing what they want to do to try and get thing you know get things to back to how they liked how they mm-hmm. liked them back in the day. But yeah, someone tells me she's still she's still got contacts with the Imperials, First Order, whatever you want to call it. And um yeah, up to no good. They obviously still want to do their cloning, so perhaps she was get seeing what they need getting him to see what they needed. Mm-hmm. And clearly yeah. they didn't need him anymore because they put him into some sort of conditioning program, didn't they? And she turned the yeah. dial dial right up. Mm-hmm. Uh- uh, you remember you got this like guy who's a same species as uh, uh, Admiral Akbar, and he's like, he try, he's pleading his case that like he was tripped. And he just looks right at him and goes, "It was a trap." And the guy just looks back at him and doesn't say anything. He just no sells it <laughs> and he just carries on. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny, but yeah. So that happens, to him and then we have, like I said, basically they have become like as. They've, they've suddenly got complacent, even though it's only a few years after the empire has like gone away, and it's they're very they've all, they've very quickly gone back to how the republic used to be, which explains why both times they're both they were by both occasions they were you know blind to seeing a, a new threat, an imperial like threat, basically coming in and wiping everybody out. Yeah, they're they're not. It's a case of not learning and repeating the same mistakes by the looks of it. Yeah, very much. Uh, also, uh, one thing I did like about Pearson stuff is when he goes to visit the, that robot, kind of like a parole officer or whatever, be, they keep asking him the same questions, like how are you feeling, how are you enjoying your do you harbour any feelings of resentment towards the New Republic, and more he feels like he should be doing his work and that people are like deleting stuff that could be useful, you can see like the, he goes for one interview, he's fine but a bit nervous, and the second one he's, he's trying to hide how frustrated he is yeah, he's uh, he definitely wants to carry on with his research, and that's sort of how uh, uh, he gets manipulated. But I still think it was all a bit, mm. a bit easily, a bit easily done for my taste. But I don't know. Uh, but uh, let, let's go into the next bit. But uh, back to Bo-Katan and Dinjar, like we said. Uh, yeah, the bit with the living waters, and um, where she's told him about it does feel like her view on like the Mandalorian codes because she was like very hesitant to believe any of the stuff that the Watcher Din would talk about. Like she just sees it as stories, but after seeing the Mythosaur, she's kind of it looks like she's almost changed her opinion or, or like her views almost changed. Hmm. Well, and I, and I, I would like to point out, I said weeks ago, we asked, how is he going to get bring back proof? I said, oh, maybe I'll bring like a cup or something with some water in it. What is the first thing Mando does when he wakes up? He gets a little chip, puts some of the living water into it. And 
takes it back to the armour. So point one for me. There you go. Yep, you were right about that. But he's yet to take a sample to prove to prove it, didn't he? Mm-hmm. It, uh, it feels nice. It feels good being a smart arse. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like there was like, and then before that, they have that. Before they get back to the armor, they have that fight with all these like tie fires coming out of where they blow up uh, Bo-Katan's home, and like it does. Like you do, you're like wondering like how did where did these all come from? And uh, these really dim off game. I'm wondering like because you got, got Grand Animal Throng coming and Ahsoka and the Raptor drivers and, and something's coming an heir to the Empire and the Ahsoka trailer. So I'm wondering if Gideon and Thrawn are are connected somehow. Yeah, whether Gideon's working for Thrawn or they're sort of working together. I mean, this is all. This is, I suppose, all leading to the events of um, bringing Palpatine back, I suppose, or yeah. what have you. Mm-hmm. See, it's all building. Eventually, Thrawn, we get that crossover. Thrawn's going to be our Thanos or our Loki. He's going to bring the, the Star Wars version of the Avengers together. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's quite I do feel like there has to be like some connection between the two. Uh, and then they return, they bring proof of that he's been in the living waters below Mandalore, and the armor surprisingly, uh, offers Bo-Katan to join them for a while, because, like, well, you, you bathed in the waters, and have you removed your helmet since? Well, then you, you, you walked away for now, and if you can leave whenever you want, but, you know, until then, you're one of us, so she gets welcomed back in, and at first you think, oh, she's going to be at odds with these people because they are so different, but she actually, she actually makes an effort to kind of be one of them for a bit. Yeah, well, she, well it's another episode, but she only sort of takes the helmet off when she's sort of asked to. So um, perhaps you, you say seeing the Mephisaur and uh, seeing how everybody sort of, you know, bonded and, and working together has perhaps made her, made her think, well, you know, the others don't. Yeah, the others sort of left me, so you know, maybe this is my new family now. Yeah. Maybe exploring other ways of, of doing things like the different cultures mm. within the Mandalorians. Like she loses part of her armor and so she gets a new, uh, replaced but has asked her to put the Mythosword logo on it and asked the armor like, Have you ever known everyone who's ever seen one and she tells that she's seen and the armor doesn't really say anything but you, you get a sense you kind of believe her, but she says, oh, when you're walked away, you see many things. Yeah, yeah, she seems a bit sceptical, perhaps. Not that she doesn't, yeah, outright doesn't believe her, but she does seem a bit sceptical at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then one of the best bits from uh, episodes four and five, I really enjoyed, but one of the best bits from episode four for me was before Ragnar, the the foundling, gets kidnapped by that weird like raptor thing, uh, he has a sparring thing with Grogu because Mando feels like it's time for him to learn like how to fight like a Mandalorian, and the kids like, initially doesn't take him seriously. Like, he's too young to speak to take the creeds, and he's too young to fight. And then after a few shots, so Mando kind of encourages him, and then you got bloody Grogu flipping over the guy <laughs> yeah. like like bloody. Like bloody Yoda fighting Count Dooku, just flipping around, just shooting them. 
and the boy just looking at him like I just got beat by a fucking by a kid who can't even talk. Yeah, well, I think because um, of what happened, you know, all the '66 and being in exile for so long, I think he's still a bit dubious and hesitant to, uh, you know, show off his true powers in in front of everyone, especially people he perhaps doesn't know that well, just in case, you know, they they decide to to want to kill him, I suppose. Yeah, and so. And then, yeah, the kids uh, who we, we learn, we get confirmed as Paz Vizla, I think is his name, uh, the guy who was voiced by John Farber, I don't think he's voiced by him anymore. The kind of bigger guy, his son, he gets like kidnapped by this thing, so Bo Katan, because she's got her ship and everyone else's jetpacks keep running, she's actually able to find where, where this thing is and lead a rescue party after him, which really much implies, like, oh, we couldn't outrun us, so we basically just accepted that anyone else who got taken, the other pretty much got eaten. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like this isn't the first time it's happened, and as you say, they tried to chase after it, but the jetpacks can only get them so far, and yeah, they sort of, like, give it up! <laughs> I know, like, I mean, first you had the thing with that fish, that big croc thing at the first episode, trying to eat them, then this has happened clearly multiple times, like, just fucking move! It doesn't, it doesn't exactly seem like the safest planet in the world. Right? Perhaps, you know, the Imperials who are ever trying to hunt and kill them uh, don't know where they are. But, yeah, there's a lot of big, scary, scary monsters there. I don't want to eat them. <laughs> I know. I'm uh, pretty sure we did see some helmets and some bones in the mm. wee thing. So, clearly this has happened before. Uh one thing I really could have done without was them bringing the three babies back with them after they killed the... Well, they didn't kill the creature, but they led it to the water and that that croc thing kind of jumps up yeah, and yeah. drags it down into the water. So, bit bit yeah. like... Um, bit like... Um, oh, um, the Jedi Quinn, what's his name? When yeah, says, yeah, quite Dungeon, that's it. When he says there's a bigger fish in uh, mm-hmm. episode one, when the gene chased by a fish and then a bigger thing eats that one. It reminded me of that. was always a bigger fish. Always a bigger That's what I'm feeling about the Empire, because at first we got, I can't remember his name, the German actor who we see in the first season of Mando, he hires mm. Mando to get the child, and then we realize that both Gaines is above him, and it feels like Buddy Grand and both Thrones going to be above him, like, this remnants of the Empire that's going to be the first order the, the baddies in these Star Wars shows it's like a like Russian nesting dolls like you see a smaller a smaller villain inside a bigger villain inside a bigger villain and then the top one will be Palpatine who returns randomly you know, as much as these shows try to find a reasonable explanation as to how they did it <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but they do manage to save the kids uh, which Allows uh, Bo Katana to get the respect of the other Mandos. But yeah, they bring the, the three babies guy back. They bring it out of Bo Katan's ship. I'm like, there is no fucking way they got those. They fit all three of them inside that ship. I know. Is she is she actually a Time Lord? And that's a TARDIS yeah. ship. Is that, is that what it is? <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. Because like, we've, we've seen shots <laughs> on that ship. We saw like, she fit Grogu and R5 on there. And there were like a lot of issues for maybe two people taught. It's like, but you've seen the size of those fucking things. <laughs> Must have been cramped on the way back. Jesus Christ. 
<laughs> everyone's all poised against the window. Can someone move your move your move the line a little bit? Can move here. Look when we used to go on nights out, and it was my my friends with the minis' turn to drive. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking a proper mini, not not a BMW <laughs> bigger mini. Uh, but I think this, like I said, helps Bogdan like further increase yourself within the Mando or doing like convent, which then when Mando and Bogdan kind of speak up to that they should go and help Reef Karga like, against the pirates, he because he's offering them like some land there, like to be their home again, because that's where their home was in the first season. Uh, Pez Vizsla gets up and you think, oh, he's just going to tell them all the reasons why they shouldn't go. But then he actually speaks up for them and says, like, they've risked their life for my son, even when we'd all given up hope. He says, even me, like, oh, yeah, so as long as your jetpack is working, you, you feel like you can rescue your son. And as soon as it runs, they're like, ah, well, my son's dead now. But <laughs> You're also, uh, you've, you've forgotten about... Um... The Grogu flashback that happened in the um, yeah okay. I thought child... I was going to put that yeah I was going to put that in a separate it's on separate thing okay because that happened in that episode of the kid going mm-hmm. missing so I thought I was expecting you to to bring that in there sorry my I bad I was going to do mostly like Mando and Bo-Katan related stuff and then come back yeah 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 I'm with you I'm with you cool. uh, yeah so they end up going and had a lot of fun with the. Uh, the episode five where they where they all fight the pirates because you got Mando who leads them away so that Bo-Katan can attack with her ship, and then you got the Mandalorians kind of swinging flying down and uh, basically fucking shit up in uh, in Navarro like shooting everybody, and the armorer gets even a chance to fight which she rarely gets to do. Where you got that guy with a cannon pin everyone down and she just sneaks up behind him and just bashes their heads out with her. Yeah, I love the weapon. way she. I love the way she fights with her armor tools. <laughs> Not just good for making best cards, they can also bash your head in. Oh, yeah, well, I wouldn't want one of those across me, the back of my skull. I must, <laughs> I must admit, you'd be selling that for a while, wouldn't you? Let's be honest. See, love it. See, like, there's one guy so focused on shooting the can, he's got like three other guys that lower them, and she takes them out so quickly that this guy shooting the can doesn't even turn around to realize that she's there, and she just whacks them right in the back of the head. And uh, just a quick question when, um, when we first see that pilot bloke who gets the message, was that meant to be Zeb from um, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Rebels? Yeah. Yes, yes. So this is a, another thing. Yeah, the Carson Diva gets the, the message, and then Zeb just walks up, walks up next to him, and I took me a second, like, oh, that guy looks like the same kind of race like uh, that Zeb was from Rebels. I went online. Wait, that was said from Rebels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wasn't too, I wasn't too sure of this, to be honest. Yeah, he's even voiced by the same actor from Rebels. Like you raise the voice, obviously someone else is going to do like a mocap kind of suit for him. But you know, the CG looked pretty good, and yeah, he's just popped up just for a blinking on this cameo. So I'm assuming he'll be in Ahsoka. Well, he's 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 a, a glaring omission from the trailers. So. Mm-hmm. I don't. So yeah, not too sure on that, but I suppose, but he might make an appearance somewhere down the line. It does really feel like Ahsoka. You know, I'm going to probably enjoy it because we have watched Rebels, but for those who haven't, it's pretty much watching Ahsoka's pretty much going to be. What do you mean you didn't watch Rebels? 
Yeah, yeah. If you if you haven't watched Rebels yet, you, I, I would watch Rebels before you watch Ahsoka by the looks of things. You got like four seasons of like twenty episodes each. You know, the, you got till August. You know, you've got time. A couple of episodes a night until August. You'll you'll yeah, smash through it. Only about twenty minutes. You can you, you'll soon you'll soon been through that. I started watching it in one of the lockdowns and. Oh, yeah, I, I, I'd end up watching five or six episodes a day because 20 minutes is nothing. And uh, I binged it I binged it in no time. I got through all seven seasons of Clone Wars in like a month and a half. Yeah, uh, again, yeah, pretty much the same. Again, it was during lockdown and I had a Star Wars related quiz. And then so I binge watched all of, of Clone Wars, started Rebels. I know it was annoying with that quiz that was on. It was kind of a gauntlet still thing, we had different rounds. I got eliminated right before the Clone Wars round. Like the Clone Wars <laughs> round was the round after I got put out. And I was so mad. <laughs> you were robbed. You were I robbed. robbed. Oh, damn it. <laughs> you know, I don't hold a grudge or anything. No. no. But, <laughs> but yes, uh, uh, yeah, pretty much everybody who they can get back from Rebels is probably going to be in Rebels now that Sev uh, just, just brought that. Also, I saw a big thing online about the CG that them and basically people were saying about see this is why Mar- Star Wars CG is better than Marvel's basically comparing how Seb looks to how Modoc looked in at Ant Man and all. <laughs> well, they weren't saying that about the Grand Inquisitor though, were they? No, no. I mean that was I wasn't really CG most of that. It was just no, like, no. We've paint, we've painted we've painted Rupert <laughs> Rupert <laughs> Ever or <laughs> Rupert Fiend, whatever the fuck his name is. We've we up. He's got a big round head now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So funny to see. We'll talk more about him when we talk about uh, Soka, the trailer for that, and uh, another another episode. But you know, yeah, watch Rebels. You've got the time. I mean, the actress who plays who's playing Sabine basically said, "Yeah, I just watched. I just did my research by watching Rebels." Yeah, I saw that interview as well. I mean, it's what you got to do, isn't it? I suppose. <laughs> I take advantage of the the material, but yeah. What did you think of episode five and kind of the like the Mandos all sticking together to take down the uh, the pirates? Yeah, yeah, really good. Like you said, I enjoyed the speech. Like he did sort of frame it when he started. Um, so why should we help? Why should we do this? And then he completely flips it. Like yeah, because they helped me, and because we're Mandalorians, and this is the way. And you're like yeah. He was was one step away from going, and what would you give for one chance to come back here and tell them? (laughs) They may may take our home well, but they'll never take our helmets. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it was good. It was nice. And then the plan to take out the pirates worked and everything and then um yeah everyone lived happily ever after high magistrate grief cargo as i said you know you've got a home on this planet now if you if you want it yeah that was uh one of the something something other people pointed out to me i thought was quite nice talk about both it uh they said everything from here to like bullet canyon or whatever I think that was a nod to Jeremy Bullock, who was the original, like, under the suit actor for uh, for Boba Fett in the original ah. trilogy, who passed away, like, last year or the year before. Actually, I met Jeremy Bullock at a Collector Mania 
in, uh, in Glasgow a few years back and he gave, I got an autograph from him and everything. Oh, nice one. Yeah. He's another one that you didn't really know he was under the suit kind of job. Eh? Bless him. Yeah. Yeah. And they made that documentary about the impact of uh, Boba Fett right before Book of Boba Fett came out, but sadly he couldn't also be in the documentary because I think he's already passed away mm. by the time they were they were making that documentary. But I remember he popped up as like the mystery guest on an episode of Russell Howard's Good News and they were talking about it and then he started quizzing he started quizzing Russell Howard on Star Wars stuff and they did like a quiz segment called Now I Am the Mastermind. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was very funny. Anyway. So yeah, they go and then we have that stuff between the armor and Bo-Katan where she asks Bo to remove her helmet and you're kind of left to like, oh, well, what's what's going on here? Yeah, yeah, know? I thought she was going to sort of excommunicate her from the, from the tribe at first, but uh, no, it was um, you. You walk in both worlds. You can you can be the one to unite all Mandalorians. Legitimately, like I thought, like you were talking about how we need to bring all Mandalorians together. I thought for a brief second we were going to get the armor removing her helmet, like just in front of Bo-Katan before putting it back on, because. <laughs> Well, why not? I, but that's not ha- what happened, and everybody looks so confused. Where everyone just stops and stares, like, "Wait a minute, she's not wearing a helmet. Oh, why she not got her helmet?" And TV explains, "She's gonna bring the other tribes together. She's gonna, you know, she walks both worlds." So again, this is another way to connect it with with Ahsoka because you got Sabine Wren who had a similar plotline with Bo-Katan, trying to bring all the tribes together during Rebels before again Mandalor Mandalor eventually fell again to the to the Empire, so I would like to see at some point down the line, you know, some more Bo-Katan Sabine Wren interaction, but this time in live action. Yeah, I hope that would be cool if, if, if that can happen, or it might happen down the line, if not in this um, you know, particular series. We're not, we're not, yeah, we don't know if we're only if we're only going to get one series of Ahsoka, or that might get another series. Mm-hmm. So then we were on the episode six where we think it's going to be mostly Pakistan and well, Din Djarin going to try to you know, find peace with Bo's former group now, led by Axe Fools was his name alongside Cosgrave, played by uh, formerly Sasha Banks now Mercedes Monet. Uh, no, it couldn't have been because she's not in this season, um, <laughs> Scott. <laughs> I know. She just came to the premiere with the IWGP women's title and posed with it with Rosario Dawson for no reason whatsoever. She just popped by and said hello. It was obvious she was going to be in it when she's doing when she's doing that, but uh, only a smallish role on on it to be fair. But still, still cool to see her. No, she's maybe part of I, canon. Maybe maybe it's because you know I know her from how big she is in wrestling and everything. I, I was just like, why is she not the leader of this group now? You know. Why is she gets like two lines, I think, of this entire episode that she's in? But no, instead of getting, a, I actually think it would be nice if we got a, like a majority of an episode or a whole episode where it's just following that group and what they've been up to. But no, we can't have that. We got to have an episode about Doctor Pershing and his and his yellow biscuits. <laughs> yeah, we want to we want to see the we want to see the boss, damn it. Yeah. Uh, so we got them. We see what they're up to and. 
are bringing they're forcing this uh, prince back from the woman he loves to back to his family because they've been paid to do so, and they've still got that imperial ship that they stole in season two. I do like the one the feel like she gets she was quite good, like because he says to Cosco Reeves, this prince, I thought you and Mandalorians were supposed to be honourable, like we are. It just takes a few credits. <laughs> yeah, but instead of that, we get most of the episode of episode six is buddy, pretty much a, a buddy cop film with a. I already got filmed with Cos with uh, Bo Katan and Ben Jarden helping the society that's gone soft after the uh, again under the New Republic and basically is overly reliant on droids, which has caused somebody to start malfunctioning the droids uh, because he wants everyone to start working again because they got lazy. Pretty much, yeah. That's pretty much the long and short of it. And then we finally get them at the end where we quickly get them brought together after a quick fight between Bo and Axwells, and he said, oh, they wouldn't ever follow someone like Din Djarin, because like, our culture said we follow whoever holds the dark saber. But Din says, well, I got beaten down by this creature on Angelor, but she saved me using the dark saber. She beat the sign that beat me, so by right, you've earned the dark saber, and that seems to be good enough for them. Well, some people are complaining about that, but it just kind of makes sense. He did get beat by this creature, and he got the dark saber took off him, and then um, it was Bo-Katan who rescued him using the dark saber. So it does it, it does hold water in my book, and when you see her sort of wielding it compared to how he sort of wielded it, uh, she's a lot more up to using it than than Dinjarin. Yeah, because like even in episode two, when he, when he had to use against those creatures, he was still dragging it mostly along the ground because he's still it's still too heavy for him. Whereas Bo, mm. he's more in tune with it, so he can use it better than him because he's wielded it before. You'd think he was trying to swing around a sledgehammer the way he was trying to use it. <laughs> and I don't think the armor or, or Din Djarin's league group would mind her holding the dark sphere because. The armor's already declared that she's the one they're bringing them together. So, you know, she's building the weapon that originally at one point was meant to signify the person who rules Mandalore. I don't think they'll initially mind that you know, she's wielding the dark saber. I mean, Anna's sister was the um, uh, leader at one time as well, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. President or, or something? Yeah, the Duchess. Yeah, Duchess. So, she, you know, she is the deserved, she is the deserved ruler. Unless it turns out mm-hmm. she's been up to no good, I can't, I can't, I can't decide. <laughs> but yeah, uh, episode uh, six, girl. Pe- some people love it, and some people really didn't like this episode, primarily because of the cameos involved in the episode. Because out of nowhere, they go and meet the the rulers of this uh, particular planet, and you see them across the table. He's only a bit boy, he's in the like, background, and he's like, is that Jack Black? Oh, <laughs> and, well, yeah, I, was Jack- like, I was getting all excited, it's like, Jack Black! <laughs> Jack Black's there, and <laughs> he, again, he's also a part of the Amnesty program, so they can't have any real like, military because of his past, so that's why they paid the uh, uh, the group that Pokatan used to lead uh, to kind of help them as their own kind of military, and then you got, so you got Lizzo there. They're they're falling over the over Baby Yoda, uh, and the uh, basically they they offer to help 
like they may have pleaded to the New Republic to recognize Mandalore as its own system, like if they help them, which may maybe could maybe a lot come back to play later on. But the other cameo, somebody who I forgot was even announced to be in this. Bloody, they go to see, see the head of security, and it's bloody Christopher Lloyd. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to be fair, he, he wasn't a young man in Back to the Future, but God, I was, I was going like, God, you're old now. Like, it looks like he was taking every strength in his body to get his lines out. Yeah, he's got to be about 80-odd by now, I should imagine. Mm. I don't know, he's just like this hunched out grouchy like, old man sitting at his desk. Uh, only to find out that he's a former bloody separatist, and you know it was him all along. Yeah, Count Dooku's my hero. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I think the special guest stars do kind of sort of paper over the fact that it was a bit of a bit of a sort of me- mediocre episode, to put it politely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you do. They do bring up like the battle droids, and like you remember the the flashback of that battle droid that like, it was going to kill mm. the young Din Djarin before the the watch saved him. But, like he was going on going on to bloody book down, like see what happens when you rely too much on droids, and like oh, seriously with droids. Like I thought he got over his issues with droids when bloody IG Eleven like sacrificed himself. Like why are we going back to this? Well. I don't know if, if he really did. That's why he wanted to sort of um, fix IG-11 at one point, wasn't it? Because he wanted mm-hmm. to have a droid that he trusted. But, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the ending, like, it was funny. Yes, it was funny to see Buddy Christopher really get cut off and Buddy electrocuted by Bo-Katan. And she looks at him and goes, politics. Uh <laughs> But like the bit where he's brought before, like Lizzo and Jack Black's characters, like it just felt like so, like this guy is pretty much caused panic. He's trying to tear you down your droids and everything. And like, oh, I'm sorry. Ah, well, maybe one day you'll forgive me. But for now, you're exiled. Like, really? Like, show a bit more emotion. This guy has done a really bad thing here. Like, come on, to fuck guys. Ah, oh, you know they're gonna exile him. That's that's probably bad enough, isn't it, for now? Yeah. Well. Uh, they give little Grogu a knighthood and everything as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a knight, not a Jedi knight quite yet, but he's a je- he's a knight of some kind, is as young Grogu. That's quite funny near the beginning when she's trying to uh get Grogu's attention and Dinjar is like, Oh, he's a bit he's a bit funny around strange people. She gets a bit of food and he's he's straight out. <laughs> <laughs> he pretty much he flips across the table. Like. Food, I love you already. <laughs> oh, he's like a bloody dog. Sometimes, as as young Grogu, you feed him, he'll love you. <laughs> oh. But yeah, talking about Grogu, we'll go back to what uh, you were referencing earlier. Yeah, episode four when they go find to find the foundling, uh, the armor takes Grogu into the cave. She's like hammering on this bit of armour and she's teaching him about Mandalorian culture and that's the the bang triggers another flashback and yeah we get we go back to we go back to the Night of Order 66 uh, and we actually get to see the Jedi that, that saved Grogu and like got him to this ship uh, Jedi you know, Keller and Beck Keller and Beck played by Ahmed Best <laughs> 
Yeah, it's Jar, it's Jar Jar Binks, basically. Yeah. So there's all that conspiracy theories that Jar Jar was secretly Seth Lord, but really he was secretly a Jedi, and he's <laughs> and he just saved baby Gro- baby uh, baby Yoda or Grogu. You know, call him what you will. Yeah, and they barely they barely get away. To be fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love it. Like when the Jedi a Jedi get, gets shot, their lightsaber falls into the the left with Grogu. And so Beck grabs that lightsaber and starts dual weaving these lightsabers and fending off these these clone troopers. And yeah, barely gets barely gets away and gets them in this ship. And they said they're trying to get to this planet. Uh, so I imagine maybe either some point in the like, next two episodes or even in season four, we'll get a follow-up flashback to see where he, where he, they took him from there. Like because I've seen some people theorize that that pass that they talk about in Kenobi that's maybe that's what they used to. To get Grogu to safety. Yeah, could could well have been. Uh, does he does he end up straight on that planet where um, Dinjarin found him in the very first season, or um, is he some you know is he somewhere else beforehand? Mm-hmm. Yeah, who knows? So yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty cool scene. Like you know, I need to go back to Order sixty six because they've really. They've squeezed Order sixty six for everything it's worth. <laughs> they really have, but it is perhaps the most important part of of Star Wars in a way. It's what what brought down the Jedi and allowed um, Palpatine to grasp full power, mm-hmm. unlimited power. As it is, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's true. My bad. Unlimited. Power! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that. Uh, so it was great to they get to finally see it because everyone's been asking who who is it that saved you know Grogu. You know, there's been some out there theories about who it was. Fucking, there are people who thought Mace Windu had to be thrown out of a window with one arm, made his way back to the fucking temple, and somehow was there to save Grogu, which. I never, I thought, I never thought for a second that was possible. I mean, I know, I know Samuel L. Jackson's cool and tough, but I'm not even sure he's surviving. He's surviving that personally. Could be wrong, but <laughs> who knows? Who knows? <laughs> uh, but uh, one last thing is uh, the Berberts of Moscow, and there's all these theories, though. Some people say he escaped or he went to before this like tribunal. But then they find this ship that was supposed to be transporting him. Everyone on board, it's dead. Uh, I've seen some conspiracy theories that Cardoon was on that ship, so that's in, in Canada, she's dead. So, you know, she's been, you know, Gina Carano's been put, she, you know, I have a sworn affidavit that Cardoon will never, ever return. <laughs> uh, and, and, Basically, then they find some Beskar, so they're like, oh, are you saying this was Mandalorians? This was at the end of, like, episode five. And so far, like, we're recording this before episode seven uh, happens, so we haven't had any follow-up as of yet. So it feels like Mandal- the Mandalorians are being potentially set up as having done something to, to Moth Gideon. Yeah, yeah, maybe they want, maybe they want to blame the Mando, the Mandalorian to sort of get them out of the picture or something. Who who knows? It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out in the next couple of episodes. And I imagine we're going to see Moff Gideon pretty soon. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I do. I do really think like Scalazzo is a lot of big stuff's gonna happen, and I, I like to think that maybe they'll tie this into to what's gonna happen in Ahsoka and that'll still maybe tie into to season four. I I did read the story online about John Favreau getting given a lot more freedom in uh, in season three because he was apparently frustrated with some interference with Lucasfilm at the end of the last season and then some people interfered with season with uh, Booker Boba Fett as well. Like supposedly like when he was working on Booker Boba Fett, he didn't want Grogu to go back to Mando. Like he thought we did we told the story about him eventually fulfilling his quest and handing Grogu over to a Jedi. Only for them to have like ah oh, no, Grogu chooses to go back to him. Apparently he was so annoyed he was he was ready to quit, like, I'll go help uh, Dave was stuck with Ahsoka but then I'm done with it and Lucasfilm basically sat down with him and went what would it take to like to make you like stay and he was like just let me make season 3 the way I want to do it yeah I mean I did I did feel it felt a bit forced um, Grogu going back to to Mando perhaps they were worried um, about ratings and how popular the show would be without Grogu, Grogu being in it Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that did. But the end of season two did feel like the end of Grogu's arc, and then he sort of, you know, I'm, I'm glad he's still in it. But yeah, it sort of, sort of, you know, hamfistedly rammed back into proceedings. Yeah. It did. It did feel like a perfect ending. Like they could have ended Mando after that second season, and because it know, makes makes Luke look like a knob as well, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, I mean, Last Jedi may look like a knob in its own right. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I've seen I've seen so many videos of Mark Camel talking about how much he disagreed with Ryan Johnson's vision for for Last Jedi. Like, this isn't my look and everything. Like, he like he even so much so he sees that version of look as a completely different character to the one look he portrayed before because there's. He doesn't like people try and defend Ryan Johnson, but people who worked on that film don't seem to have many good things to say about him. And he just went in such a different direction to what had been set up by J.J. Abrams. I mean, J.J. Abrams, the first one's a good film, and J.J. Abrams laid the groundwork, and Ryan Johnson pretty much took a jackhammer to it and tore it all up and made crazy paving. Mm-hmm. It's weird because like they've done so much in the last like in Mando and some other shows to basically set up stuff that you're going to see in the, the sequel trilogy and make mm. that make more sense. And like I look back at all this and like, hmm, it's almost as if you know Disney bought uh, Lucasfilm around like 2012, 2013, something like that. And then the, the first film in the sequel trilogy came in 2015. I'm like, hmm, it's almost as if they were so desperate to take advantage of the thing they bought for like billions of dollars. They kind of rushed into a sequel trilogy without as much of a plan. Hmm. It's almost as if they should have waited. Well, I think it looked like JJ had a plan, but unfortunately, he went off to do something else rather than do the second film, and they didn't want to wait. And they didn't want to wait, so they got Rian Johnson, and perhaps they should have been a bit more with him. You know, you need to follow this. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they obviously gave him a bit too much freedom, and he, yeah pretty much made his own film, which is almost a standalone film, to something that was meant to be a sequel. We've got oh. this new big bad, but I'll just kill him out of the blue for no apparent reason. Mm-hmm. I know, it's like, 
they, I think they said that they, oh, they had this idea we want three different directors across them because I think Colin Trevorrow, who did like the first Jurassic World movie, was supposed to do episode nine at one point, and then he dropped out, and then they had to get JJ back in. And like it's almost as if that whole different director thing was a bad idea when we saw what Ryan Johnson did with it, and like it was so bad that he had a they had this plan to give him his own trilogy, which I'm sure free film which follow his vision would flow better. But they mm. they panicked so much after hearing what people thought of last year, like okay, you you don't you don't get to do a Star Wars no more. You don't get to do that anymore. Uh, uh, like I think we've talked about quite a bit. But, you know, I feel bad for Daisy Ridley in a way as well because there was one of the videos of Mark Hamilton where she even talked to her, like she expressed say that quite a few people were a bit confused, a bit frustrated with like the vision they had, but they just went along with it. So, you know, maybe we still get another shot mm. for this new film that we're going to talk about and this other podcast we're going to do later in the week, but you know, I'm sure it'll take a lot to convince Reese about it, but it's almost as if you shouldn't have to redeem characters years later. Maybe you should just try your best to do them right the first time. Yeah, unfortunately, the actors are just, you know, go with the tools they're given, the script and direction. They don't all, yeah, we, we sit back thinking, you know, they have all this say, but they, they really don't. Like they, you know, they just have to follow the script and you know, go with the direction uh, um, you know, the director's telling them to. So they don't always get a lot of choice, so that doesn't always excuse the uh, wooden acting, though, but... Uh... Yeah, no. Yeah, there is that. We've got Amber Best getting some redemption here. we got we got Hayden and Kenobi. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. They it, it can be redeemed. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think supposedly we're getting some Hayden and flashbacks for you, maybe even as a ghost and an Ahsoka, allegedly. Uh, but, like I said, just try doing them better like the first time. And I even mentioned that to Reese when he was, because I know he wouldn't be happy here, but Ray came back and I mentioned the Hayden comparison. And just me mentioning the bloody, the <laughs> mentioning Hayden and Daisy Ridley's character in like the same breath, you know, it's like I saw the generations of his family. <laughs> Uh, we also make a wee note here uh, the different directors across the different episodes here, the, the Convert which was the episode uh, which fo- mainly focused on Dr. Pershing was directed by uh, Lee Isaac Lee Isaac Chung who from what I've seen mostly did shorts and stuff like that before this, yeah, the Foundling episode with the Grogu flashback was directed by Carl Weathers uh, the Pirate was directed by Peter Ramsey who actually well, I can see directed the first uh, Spider-Verse movie and has mainly worked with animation. Oh, right. Uh, and uh, Guns for Hire, the most recent one with all the cameos, was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who is, funnily enough, did the last episode that had Coast Grease and Bogotan's group of Mandalorians in it, so kind of uh, smart to have her, have her do it. And yeah. We have uh, Rick Fumaya, who I think did the first episode, who I joked about well, I don't get Rick in to do the big episodes, but apparently now he's a producer on the show and he's directing both parts, both the final episodes. So I guess I guess Rick's proven me wrong then. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's me proven wrong. But, uh, oh, geez, I had something else I wanted to say and now it slipped out of my head. You'll remember, probably when we've <laughs> turned off and you're halfway through making your dinner. Oh, that was what I wanted to say. <laughs> I know. It was a, I think it was about Poketan, but I can't remember now. But uh, 
I'll probably remember it when we do the next episode, when we do talk about all the recent announcements and we go in more detail about these new movies that are coming out. But uh, I don't know, is there anything else that you want to talk about to do with uh, with Mandalorian? Um, no, I think we can most of it. I don't think we mentioned that um, Bo-Katan had a bit of a scrap with that other bloke over the leadership of the the tribe before she was given the dark saber and she just about defeated him didn't she yeah yeah pretty much yeah i think, I think she pretty much i think you can pretty much declare she was she was the one i mean he'd probably call it a draw but it was she definitely won no oh, yeah well she had a you know a thing against it like a knife type thing against his neck and he was forced to yield but mm. even though she won. They were still a bit dubious about being led by her until, um, yeah, she got the black, the dark saber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, I don't think there's uh, much else to. to oh, here's a random fact that no one probably asked for, but uh, Matthew Wood, who is a voice actor who did uh, General Grievous in the Clone Wars and did like all the battle droids. Apparently, the few scenes where the battle droids talked in Episode Six, they brought him in to do the voice for. Because uh, with Dave Filoni involved, he he's a big guy of bit consistency. Who did you do the voice for? Sorry, uh, he did like the voice for like the droids, like the battle oh, droids. Oh right, yeah, that's that, cool. that, was, that was the thing I, I I'd forgotten about. They go down to meet the guys who programmed the droids, and they're the same like race as uh, like Quill, who we who we saw in season one, and uh, much like when they they were dealing with Tusken Raiders, like. Like, it was like when Mando and uh, Cobb were dealing with Tusken Raiders, where Mando knew how to deal with them and Cobb didn't. Mando knows how to talk to them, and Bo-Katan just gets frustrated by them. Like, I am Iron Dinger and friend of Queel. You will help us. I have spoken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Criticizing their work is, um, oh, what, what do you say? Like, offends them or something, doesn't yeah. he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Disrespects no. them. That was it. Yeah, disrespectful. But I was just happy because then some one or two of them say I have spoken. Like, oh, it's been too long since I've heard someone go, I have spoken in this show. The thing, the Nick, didn't Nick Nolte pass away? He, he, he voiced, he voiced him in the first series. I don't think he passed away. I know that they killed off the character like at the end. Like he was trying to save, he was trying to save Grogu, but then he got shot down by. Shot down by the the stormtroopers. Uh, no, he's still alive. He's eighty two, so he's ah, a very old Nick Nolte. That must be why I'm getting confused. Then yeah, they kill they kill the character off sadly. But my apologies to Nick Nolte. Sorry. Uh, I'm sure he's crying his eyes out. Regular, <laughs> regular listener. Regular <laughs> listener. Oh, loves a bit of the rank bank. Does old Nick Nolte. I know what I said, but uh, I think that is time for us to go before before we insult any other actors who may or may not be dead. Uh, Carl, do you have anything uh, other than you know the fabulous work you've been doing with myself? Uh, do you have anything else you want to plug on on the Rogue Opinions feed? Um, I've been doing a yeah, football part with um, Liam and Reese and Nathan or whichever combination decides are available. 
Uh, hopefully there'll be uh, a podcast on its way where we discuss our five favourite albums, which should be interesting. We've been trying to do this for a couple of weeks now, so hopefully it will get recorded sometime this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's about that's about all I've, I've had going on on the old podcast front just lately. Fair enough. Uh, for me, you can find a new episode of Rogue to Smackdown out with me and Paul, where uh, we, d- we weren't impressed by this episode, mostly the episode the one following SummerSlam, so we talked about pretty much anything else on that show rather than the Smackdown. Uh, we got Scott and Paul's Round Podcast where we got a review of Mania 21 coming out the last time that WrestleMania went Hollywood, and we've got some other fun stuff coming in the next couple of weeks. Uh, me and Carl... Uh, we'll be back, like we said, later in the week with Pony Easy. Make sure you take it back our last, our other episodes of Pony Easy if you haven't checked them out already in the meantime. And uh, yeah, the Rank Bank, where we, we've, we've ranked Star Wars guys, we've ranked Marvel movies, uh, right, so we're going to do one where I think we talked about doing WWE Champions, so I'm sure that won't be overly long and filled with a lot of arguments and Reese won't rant and swear about things, <laughs> as he's known to oh, do. Oh, well, he'll find something that upsets him, don't you worry. Oh, because yes, yes. you know, girl, when you're when you own a podcast, where he's trying not to try to get him to not run is not easy. <laughs> it really isn't. <laughs> ah, well, thank you for tuning to this episode. It went longer than I thought it would, but enjoy the next couple of episodes of Mando. I think we'll maybe do episode seven and eight as a as one thing as well to round out the season. Yeah, we we may as well now, haven't we? I think they're going to be intricately linked by the looks of things, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but wait, in the meantime, make sure you check out the episode we're going to do in between time about all the announcements and the trailers that have been coming out. Until then, thank you everybody for listening. And remember, this is the way. This is the way. Money. 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 Money.